Welcome to the Prompt to Page podcast, a partnership between the Jessamine County Public Library and the Carnegie Center for Literacy and Learning. I'm your host, librarian and poet Carrie Green. Each episode, we interview a published writer who shares their favorite writing prompt. Our guest today is Marianne Worthington. Marianne is co-founder and editor of Still the Journal, an online literary magazine publishing writers, artists, and musicians with ties to Appalachia since 2009. Her work has appeared in Oxford American, Calyx, and Chapter 16, among other places. Her work has been supported by the Kentucky Arts Council and the Kentucky Foundation for Women. She co-edited Piano in a Sycamore, Writing Lessons from the Appalachian Writers Workshop, and is author of a poetry chapbook. Her poetry collection is The Girl Singer from the University Press of Kentucky. Marianne grew up in Knoxville, Tennessee, and writes and teaches in Southeast Kentucky. Welcome, Marianne. Thank you for having me, Carrie. I'm delighted to be here with you. Oh, well, we're very happy that you're here, and congratulations are in order. You also just won the Weatherford Award. Yes, I did. (laughs) Thank you very much. I'm still sort of uh, floating on air about that. Yes. (laughs) Yes, I bet. And that's an award that's given by Berea College and the Appalachian Studies Association, right? That's correct, right. They give one for fiction, nonfiction, and poetry, so, Mm -hmm. yeah. So before we get into talking about writing prompts, I think you are the first journal editor that we've had on the podcast. So I was wondering if if you could share a little bit of your editorial wisdom with some of our listeners who are maybe, you know, just thinking about sending submissions out. Do you have any tips for them? Sure. It's always daunting to send your work out the very first time. We're often not sure where to send it or how to do it. And there's all kinds of resources that you can find online. I guess the best advice I can give is to make sure that you read the guidelines for the journals pretty carefully because editors take a lot of time to write those suggestions and the way that they like to receive submissions. And that's really important. For instance, if a journal says, well, we'll only read your submissions if you submit it through um, a submission manager like Submittable, then you should do that. If you try to email them, they're not going to respond to you, you know, and it tells the editor that you haven't paid any attention to the submission guidelines. So that would be the one of the best advice I can give is pay attention to what the editors have set up in terms of how they want to receive submissions. But probably even more important than that would be to make sure that what you're sending really fits with the mission and the the vision of the journal that you want to be in, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So if you haven't written science fiction, then you wouldn't want to send that to a science fiction journal, you know? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it sounds obvious, but you'd be surprised, you know, what we get that doesn't fit in any way with our mission or what we want to publish. So Mm -hmm. those are a few things maybe that might be helpful. Yeah, great. So let's talk about prompts. Okay, <laughs> um, sure. So what role do prompts play in your writing process? I think they've played a seminal role from the very beginning. And I say that because I don't really have a formal education in 
writing. I don't have an MFA and my college degrees um, are not in writing. So the way that I taught myself to write was to go to a lot of writing workshops and a lot of classes, which were generative based. In other words, the teacher would usually say, oh, let's look at this poem and see how this poem does this, this, and this. Okay, now you try it. That's a that's a type of writing prompt, you know. So at first I began to write because I was emulating and imitating, which is a good way to get started. But since then, I rely on prompts a lot. And I think that's maybe one of the major teaching devices that we have to help people uh, think about writing is to give them some guidelines and 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 have them write down uh, according to those guidelines. So. Mm-hmm. They've played a real important part in in my in my writing, Carrie. A big a big deal. It's a big deal. <laughs> yeah. So, what kind of prompts do you use now? Do you use prompts that you create yourself, or that you find from other places? Or- yes, both actually. The and I wasn't able to really create my own prompts until I'd had experience of looking at other people's ideas for prompts. Mm-hmm. There's two books that I have always relied on. I still go back to all the time. One is. Um, the Poet's Companion by the poets Kim Adonisio and Dorian Locks. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is full of all kinds of great writing prompts. And then I also like Kim Adonisio's um, Ordinary Genius, A Guide for the Poet Within. Mm-hmm. They're both really talented poets, obviously, but they also have this talent for writing really great prompts. Mm-hmm. Uh, prompts that are doable you know some pr- prompts you see and you go I'm not ever going to do that I mean, you know, that won't help me I'm not ever going to do that but these the prompts that are in these two books I like a lot and I, I go back to them a lot and then I would just mention this third book that's come out pretty pretty recently uh, from the poets Jessica Jacobs and Nicole Brown Their book of prompts is called Write It, 100 Poetry Prompts to Inspire. And it's a little workbook. It's real pretty. It's actually got prompts on the bottom of the page and then blank pages where you can actually use the book to write in. So that's a very helpful and unique type of prompt book that I really, I've really enjoyed that one. Mm -hmm. And you write poetry and nonfiction, correct? Yes. 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 And do you use them prompts equally in both yes, genres? I do. And, you know, sometimes uh, like, oh, like a, if I'm using a prompt to, to get at some nonfiction, mm-hmm. what I write, sometimes I'll realize mm, this is really going to work as a poem, not as an essay, you know, or vice versa. You know, I'll, I'll look at a poetry prompt and I'll write and write and I'll think, mm, this is going to work better as an essay than it is a poem. So, so yeah, it's very helpful in just helping me decide what the genre is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and you kind of figure that out through the writing really? process. Yeah, mm-hmm. you really yeah. do. Yeah. Well, um, would you like to share your prompt with us? Sure. And this is one that I came up with. I hope that's okay. Rather yeah. than um, One of the things that I like to do for myself is make some rules <laughs> because mm-hmm. that helps me to actually 
get some things down and then pare them down. So this is a prompt that I actually shared this a couple of days ago at a talk that I gave on my campus. And it doesn't have a name, but the first thing that you want to do is write down an incident that's both a memory that you have that occurred in a specific place. In other words, your memory is associated with a specific place. An example would be, I remember the time I fell down the steps at my grandmother's house. Okay. Then the second thing that you do is you begin to start writing toward making a poem, although you don't have to give the memory and the place equal treatment in the poem. That might kind of work itself out. So, of course, you want to, in addition to describing what happened, the memory and the place, you want to work for real sensory details that suggest feelings associated with the with the memory. So you want to work for helping the reader smell and see and hear and taste the place and the memory. For instance, I remember when I fell down the steps at my grandmother's house, the stairway was really steep and the hallway was dark and I was running and my father had told me not to be running and that's why I fell. But I remember the, the, the stairs smelled like furniture polish. They were probably slick, you know, so those would be some sensory details. Okay, so you've got your memory and you've got your place. And and then here for poets, I think this works really well. Then you make a container for yourself. And, And that is you fashion your memory place ideas like a sonnet. And you can observe the formal rules of sonnet making if you want to and if you know them. Or you can just say, I'm going to write 14 lines. And I think that forces you to determine which of the details are the most important, the most resonant, and you leave out all the uninteresting details. So write down a memory that's associated with a place, try to describe it in a sensory way, and then make a container for it by writing only 14 lines. And if you want to make it a formal sonnet, you can. Again, the work of Kim Adonisio has turned the sonnet on its head, and I think she worries less and less about the rules of sonnet making and mm-hmm. just more about, you know, writing 14 lines that um, that would help. So that would be my prompt. Yeah, that's great. I like you kind of cover all the all the bases with that prompt with the, with the memory, the place and and the container. I've been to workshops before. I went to a workshop with Molly Peacock and it was a sonnet workshop. She didn't really give those first two components. So I found it a little bit a little hard to just get started writing one. Yes. But yeah. she did also talk you know, as you mentioned, you know, if you're new to the sonnet, you can just do write a 14 line poem, or you can, you know, try to shape it, you know, as a Shakespearean or a Petrarchan sonnet, which might right. be, or you can go all the way and and rhyme everything. Yes, yes. And you know, the, the thing that I didn't say, but a sonnet, no matter what kind of shape it takes, always has that turn, that volta, you know, and so you can you can just kind of make sure that you have that leap or that turn somewhere in those 14 lines. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I like to make containers for myself, Carrie, because it, 
it forces me to think about poetics and and getting what I want to say into a shape or a form. Sometimes the poem doesn't stay that way, but mm-hmm. it helps me get it down if I have a container. Yeah. yeah, I was I was just gonna ask, do you do you always stick to that container? Do you have favorite containers that you like to use? Um no, not necessarily, but I did write a poem once where I wanted to describe a series of birds in interest as in the most interesting way I could. And so I made a container for myself. I was said, okay, three lines each and so many syllables per line and, you know, and then some sound tricks too. So I made that container as sort of a way to, to get started with that Mm -hmm. brief description. So you can make up your own rules about containers, Mm -hmm. you know, Okay, I'm only going to write a paragraph. If you're a prose writer, I'm just going to write a paragraph. Just, you know, or I'm going to write 20 minutes and let it sit you see what the shape turns into. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I, I like that you talked about not getting a formal education in writing. So what would you tell other writers who, you know, don't have an MFA, don't have any inclination to do that? Right. What advice would you give to them? Well, for me, there's there's a part of me that that regrets not getting that kind of education, but I was never just I was just never able in a to be in a place financially to get that kind of education. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I didn't know about it until I was way grown. And by then, you know, I had a child and you know, who has money when they have a kid? I mean, we certainly didn't have extra money for an MFA and I certainly was not going to go into debt to get, you know, more education when I had just finished, you know, paying off all my student loans. (laughs) So there is a part of me that regrets not having that, but I would do, I would suggest to other writers the thing that I've done. And that is I've, I've tried to take as many classes as I can. For instance, when we moved to Kentucky in 1990, one of the first things I did was I went to the Carnegie Center. I drove mm-hmm. from Williamsburg to Lexington, and I studied with Letha Kendrick, who still teaches at the Carnegie Center. And, you know, I mean, if it hadn't been for Letha, I wouldn't be talking with you right now, Carrie. Mm-hmm. And so I found this wonderful community of writers in Kentucky that I didn't know existed. And once you find that, then you're able to find other classes. Mm-hmm. So if you can afford it, take classes. If you can't, there's plenty of reading that you can do on your own and teaching that you can do on your own. Mm-hmm. But I think the most important thing is to find that fellowship of of people who are doing the same thing that you are doing and find a way to be in contact with them, mm-hmm. writing groups, classes, even book clubs, you know, which mm-hmm. force you to read at least a novel a month, right? You know, mm-hmm. or something. I think all of that is really important for writers. Mm-hmm. And any, any other things you would like to tell our listeners, any other advice 
don't give up because, you know, I'm three weeks away from retiring from my day job, which <laughs> I have had for 32 years. And I've been teaching college students for 38 years. And only this year was my first full-length poetry collection published. So don't ever think it's not going to happen because you might surprise yourself (laughs) and get something going, you know, in your older age. So I'm grateful for that. You know, don't, don't get discouraged about it because writing and publishing takes a really long time. And like everything else, if you can just be consistent, you'll get better and better and better. Mm -hmm. Yes, absolutely. Thanks so much for sharing that. And thank you for being on Prompt to Page. We really appreciate it. I've I've, uh, enjoyed it, Carrie, and love talking with you. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to Prompt to Page. To submit your response to Marianne's prompt, visit our website at jesspublib.org forward slash prompt hyphen to hyphen page. We welcome you to join the Jesuit County Public Library's Prompt to Page writing group, which will meet on Tuesday, April 26th at 6 p.m. Register on our website. To learn more about the Carnegie Center for Literacy and Learning, visit carnegiecenterlex.org. Our music is by Archipelago, an all-instrumental musical collaboration between three Lexington-based university professors. Find out more about Archipelago, Songs from Quarantine, Volumes 1 and 2, at the links on our podcast website.